On Tuesday night, I attended a special event co-hosted by the Charlotte Sports Foundation and American City Business. It was held at Quail Hollow in Charlotte, and Greg Olson interviewed, or let's say shared stories, with his former teammate, Luke Keekley in an evening celebrating Keekley's induction into the College Football Hall of Fame. The two were great in sharing fun stories about their years playing together for the Panthers, and it was a very funny and enjoyable discussion. Meanwhile, I hope to see you in New York City for our Tech Week, SBJ's Tech Awards Tuesday night. Tech Week is Wednesday and Thursday. Also, I'll be at the MIT Sloan Analytics Conference for the day on Friday. If you're in Boston or New York, please say hi as I'd love to see you. And this is your Morning Buzzcast for Wednesday, February 28th. I'm Abe Madcore. Thanks for listening to the Buzzcast. One of the most talked about teams in the NFL, the Washington Commanders. And as the Commanders study where to build a new stadium, they will continue to invest in FedEx Field. So Josh Harris, he leads this ownership group. They will do another round of fan-facing renovations, which takes the new ownership group's total investment in improving the stadium to $75 million since purchasing the team last summer. So the latest upgrades will be improvements to enter the building, a frictionless security entry point, and more efficient parking systems. They will also put in new premium seating options. They'll upgrade the suites. They'll improve food and beverage options. And they will improve sound systems. So a lot going on at FedEx Field. One of the elements is something that has become almost standard in the premium areas, and that's a VIP tunnel through which players will pass as they head onto the field where people can see the players. And again, you're seeing this type of tunnel entrance throughout the NFL and NBA. And this is an entirely new premium suite space at FedEx Field. So like we said, under the ownership of Josh Harris, they put $40 million into renovating FedEx Field last summer. Now another $35 million to improve the facility this offseason. The team owns the land and they own the 27-year-old FedEx Field, which is in Landover, Maryland. They are obligated to play there at least until 2027. But we also know Josh Harris and his group are looking at new locations for a new stadium to be built sometime in the future. Let's move on. You know, we talk all about the global events coming to the United States. We have the World Cup in 26. We have LA 28. And there is a bid by U.S. soccer and Mexico to host the Women's World Cup in 2027. So think of that three-year run. And we know that the city of Atlanta is hosting eight World Cup matches in the matter of about a month in 2026. And the city is also among those being considered as a host city for the Women's World Cup. Officials toured Mercedes-Benz Stadium this week. And any U.S.-Mexico joint bid for the Women's World Cup would be competing against a joint bid from Germany, Belgium, and Holland, and one from Brazil. A U.S.-Mexico bid would have at least 10 cities included in the bid, eight in the United States, five in Mexico being considered. So Atlanta was the first city that was visited. So again, a lot of cities could be in the mix, but just think of the possibilities over those years. And if you are a host city 
for both the 26 World Cup and the 27 Women's World Cup. Think of how that could impact your market, and Atlanta is certainly aiming to be part of that. One element in Atlanta's favor, the city hosts the She Believes Cup on April 6th, and that includes four of the world's best teams, the United States, Canada, Brazil, and Japan. They will play in matches in early April, and Atlanta has already set a tournament record for ticket sales around the She Believes Cup, so that is a good sign for the city's interest in hosting a potential Women's World Cup in 2027. So that is a story I'm certainly keeping my eye on. Let's stay with women's soccer because we know all the strides that the NWSL has made with new franchises, uh, new media deals, new sponsorship deals. And now the league is looking to step up its branding and its uniforms. And for the first time in the NWSL's 11-year history, Every team kit for this upcoming season will be brand new. So every team has a brand new jersey. It is part of an entire kit refresh with Nike. Each of the primary kits for the league's 14 teams is a custom design, and it ties into each team's local market and tries to tell a local story. So the early word, according to ESPN, is the jerseys are bolder than in previous years. So this is another effort by the NWSL to drive fandom, to grow their fan base, and of course, to grow business around kit sales. But again, each team unveiling a new kit this upcoming season. We got a glimpse into the financials for the TKO Group, which is the holding company of the UFC and WWE, of course, both owned by Endeavor. They reported full-year earnings for the UFC and the fourth-quarter earnings for the WWE earlier this week. Here's the takeaway. Revenue for the entire year for the UFC was $1.3 billion. That was up 13%. Revenue for the WWE's fourth quarter only, north of $380 million. So EBITDA for the UFC up 11%, $756 million on total revenue of $1.3 billion. So again, you're seeing the growth and the expansion of the UFC. Revenue continues to grow at that property, and they're projecting future growth, of course, for 24. Again, WWE, we're only seeing the fourth quarter snapshot, but for the UFC, we're seeing an entire year. Meanwhile, TKO, remember, they combined the sales teams of UFC and WWE to sell sponsorships jointly. That was a new initiative. Overall sponsorship revenue is up 18% to nearly $200 million for 2023. That's combined for UFC, WWE sponsorship revenue, close to $200 million. The biggest deal was for the UFC and that nine-figure deal with Anheuser-Busch that was announced in late 2023. So again, this is among the first look at the combined revenue of the UFC and WWE. We'll be able to pull out more trends later in 2024. Bottom line, you see very healthy revenue around both of these properties. And finally, let's end with this. I watched the match on Monday night. I enjoyed really learning more about the personalities of Lexi Thompson and Rose Zhang. 
It was a really good display of their style, their sense of humor, their charisma, their talent. And the LPGA needs more of this. And they know that. That's why the LPGA is launching an athlete brand building program with a company called Hanakuma. And that is a shop co-founded by tennis player Naomi Osaka and her agent, Stuart Duguid. So under this partnership, LPGA players will work with Hanakuma to help tell their personal stories. They want to develop brand efforts that highlight their personal interest and their background and then distribute that to people who don't know much about these players. Eight players were selected to participate in the program in this first year. The players were not named. So we'll have to see the results of this program and if it can help move the needle on these really talented athletes and tell their stories. And again, Hanakuma is a media and storytelling company founded by Osaka and Do Good. It raised $5 million in fundraising in 2023. It spun off from the Spring Hill Company. That's the company founded by Maverick Carter and LeBron James. They helped launch Hanakuma, but now Hanakuma on its own and doing a deal with the LPGA. And so that is your Morning Buzzcast for Wednesday, February 28th. I'm Abe Madcore. Thanks for listening to the Buzzcast. Stay healthy, be good to each other. I'll speak to you on Thursday. <laughs>